Hello everyone and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be discussing mediation and how to get yourself perfectly prepared for it. My name is Lucy Good and I'm the founder of Beanstalk, an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. My aim with these podcasts is to get useful targeted information to single mums wherever you are and whatever you're doing. I hunt down experts in the subjects that matter to single mums and I ask the questions that I think you want to know the answers to. The information being shared in my free podcast can save you time, money and a whole lot of worry. Why pay for services or waste time looking for information when you can get it right here? And if you have any questions that are specific to your own situation, my guests are always happy to go a step further. So don't be afraid to contact them directly if you like what you're hearing. And talking of guests, it's my great pleasure to introduce today's podcast guest, Vanessa Hernandez from BT Lawyers. Vanessa is our perfect podcast guest, as she is a solicitor who has been practicing in the area of family law for almost 10 years. Her role is special counsel, heading up the family law team at BT Lawyers, where she started working in April last year. In fact, she was hired to start their family law department. And as well as this, she's also a nationally accredited mediator. I'm sure I have the attention of all the single mums listening. Um, But the reason I was so keen to get Vanessa chatting to us is because she actually cares about the mums who are navigating the murky waters of their breakup. And I've been working with her and her team at BT Lawyers to try and open the channels of communication to get free professional information to the single mums who need it most. I publish Vanessa's law and mediation related articles on my website beanstalkmums.com.au and this is hopefully the first of many super helpful podcasts with her. Welcome Vanessa. Thank you so much Lucy and thank you to everyone for having me. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Now, um, look, I just mentioned murky waters, and I love that expression um, (laughs) to describe single mums navigating the issues surrounding their breakup. There really is so much confusion, emotion, and general feelings of what next? What do I do now? Help. Um, (laughs) And and this, this certainly includes mediation. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. It really does. I mean, it is so confusing um, to somebody who's just walked into it the first time. I know for me, I'd want to work with a lawyer who has full knowledge of the mediation process as well, um, which you have. So you kind of got, you've got two really good strings to your bow. You've got the mediation process um, as well as being a solicitor. Is that normal for family lawyers? Um, Not all lawyers. So uh, uh, a lot of lawyers will obviously represent clients um, in mediations, but not everyone has completed uh, a mediation training. And I've done it primarily because my practice has always been resolution focused. Um, and I believe that that's the best way to go about things for for most families, essentially. So um, having those skills is essential for me. Mm, yeah. So you you can offer them the you can offer people the full works. Try to get it all sorted at mediation. 
but if not yeah. you get to know your clients I guess so you can help them better um, if you have to take it a step further correct yeah Okay. All right. Well, that's great. I'm just so pleased to have you on. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> um, all right. We, we've got questions um, and I know that we'll probably have to sort of um, talk really fast at the end to fit them all in. So I'll get going. So to start with, we'll briefly go right back to basics for the single mums listening who haven't taken the mediation pathway yet, but they are maybe considering it. Can you firstly explain what mediation is and why it's a helpful part of the separation procedure? Um, Sure. Look, mediation uh, generally involves a qualified uh, third party. Um, That third party can be uh, an existing lawyer, uh, a social worker, barrister, sometimes a former judge. Um, But essentially, they've got the qualifications to be a mediator. And as a third party, they're really helping... um, two parties to a dispute, so a mum and a dad, for example, um, to try and reach a resolution on whatever matters um, they need resolved. So that could be something like parenting matters or their property matters. Um, And it's often considered a last stop, essentially, before parties have to commence proceedings. And it's an extremely valuable uh, tool to try and prevent that from happening. Yeah. And uh, do you how I, I, this is probably throwing a bit of a question at you <laughs> how often do you think the mediator can resolve the issues without it going into court I would say the vast majority of matters will resolve at mediation and I would say it's only a handful um, that can't but even in those situations I say to clients look you might walk into that room with 15 issues that are in dispute if the mediator can help you resolve at least five or ten of them you've already made enormous progress and you've limited the issues that need to then um, go before a judge for example or, or continue to be discussed between the lawyers and and you've done that in one complete set rather than you know letters going backwards and forwards over a significant period of time yeah so there's a huge amount of value in it really isn't yeah. there and is yeah. it is it a necessity to see a mediator before going into court it's um it is for parenting matters so um in in parenting matters you must have attempted to um conduct a mediation of some description uh before filing there are exemptions to that um which can include um things like you know if if you if a party is a victim of domestic violence that sort of thing um but if the exemptions don't apply to you the court expects that you will have made an effort to uh, resolve the matter via mediation uh, whereas with property matters it's not um, mandatory, but if you haven't done it, you're likely to have to go back and do it at some point anyway. Mm, yeah, I suppose you just want to do as much as you can out of the courts, don't you? Yeah, um, absolutely. You, yeah, I see. Mm. Um, so there is generally a process for mediation, a kind of a flow by how it all works. Um, is this the same wherever people go for mediation or can it vary depending on the situation to hand and the mediator who's helping. Um, Basically, can you just tell us a little bit more about the mediation process? Absolutely. Um, There is a traditional model um, and parties are usually asked to set aside at least half a day to a full day. 
Um, normally there'll be an intake session that's, that happens either prior to the mediation date or on the morning of. And an intake session is just a, an opportunity for each party to speak to the mediator um, in private um, to let them know a little bit about why they're there um, and give the mediator a bit of an idea as to how, how they might structure the day essentially. Um, it, it, thereafter, the mediation might commence and usually what the mediator will try and do is um, ascertain from the parties what topics need to be discussed and, and resolved that day and then start working their way through it and that could involve some offers being exchanged or some comments being made between the parties to try and um, identify those issues. Um, if the matter can be resolved, the mediator might assist in documenting it or if the parties have a lawyer there, the lawyer might assist them with that. It, that's in essence a traditional module but it's not the way that all of them have to run. Um, there are cases where I've thought it it would be helpful to have um, a child consultant in that mediation. Um, sometimes parties don't know what arrangements should be in place uh, for their children and having um, an independent specialist to comment on that is sometimes helpful. Um, some of the times there's adult issues that are in the way and it's not really um, the, the child arrangements but really the conflict between the adults and um, in that case uh, some mediation combined with counselling might assist. So there's a number of different uh, methods that are available to parties and um, some research online or some legal advice might help you identify what's best for you in your case. Mm, okay, yeah, I'm just because I, I suppose that's really good to know because we've all got such different circumstances and mm. like you say, there are children involved in it and if you if you just let your own issues get in, get in the way, you often don't get the outcome that you need. Um, so when you say you, so what actually bring in, would you bring your children in? Can you bring children into mediation or is, is that um, not acceptable? Ideally we don't because we don't want that to be, that um, we don't want the children exposed necessarily to all of that. Um, but I have had situations where the children might meet with a child consultant uh, prior to, um, or where the party, if the children are too young, the parties might meet with a child consultant just to chat about um, what their situation is. And a, an example of that is um, we've had parties where they've had very young children um, and they can't decide what might be an age-appropriate arrangement to put in place. Um, and having a specialist that might give them some information on that will help direct them to make the proper arrangements for that child. Mm. You, you would have to be a certain type of person to, to be a mediator, wouldn't you? You know, it's oh, so, absolutely. so, so <laughs> calm and the things that you must see and that you, you are just walking into the middle of um, usually quite a lengthy um, conflict with a lot of history in it. It must be really quite difficult. And as you say, you know, you only really get the notes perhaps that morning um, which I suppose is better in a way because you're just skimming the surface and you're looking at the facts rather than all those details that have led to the breakup. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of mediators don't write, like to read too much material beforehand because they don't want to form an opinion or a bias. Um, they want to see the parties as they are on the day. So um, it can be a lot of information and hard work for a mediator. But with it, with um, with good preparation and good information on the day um, and participation from the parties on the day, um, resolutions are, are much easier to achieve, yeah. 
And who would hire the uh, mediator? Because um, how would the mediator not be biased? Because you've got to have somebody who, would you sort of both pay, choose a mediator and then pay for that person? Or how would, I mean, I can see an argument there. I want this mediator. No, 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 I don't want that one. I want another one. (laughs) Yes, it happens more often than we think. And uh, Look, if, if you whether you have lawyers involved or not, um, you can easily research online um, the, the mediators that are available. Um, if it's your lawyer that's involved, sometimes we put forward a panel of three different options um, with different types of ranges in expenses and that sort of thing for a party to consider. Um, that way you're not sort of just saying, look, we're locked into one option, but rather you're saying, here's a couple, do your research, give them a call and um, pick someone from that panel that you're, you're most comfortable comfortable with. Um, so that's another way to resolve that. But um, if a party is acting individually, um, they can also do that with their, their former partner um, or they can simply um, contact a mediator and make a booking um, and that mediator will attempt to invite the other party and if there's an issue, um, the mediator will be uh, well experienced in dealing with it and will will attempt to try and speak to that other party to let them know that, look, they don't know that either of them, they, they've never acted for either of them before and that they are an impartial party um, to the equation. So um, hopefully that usually assists. Yeah, they need to know, both parties need to know it's a level playing field, don't they, at the beginning? Definitely, yeah. So mediation is definitely a way to put all your cards on the table, as it were. Um, Of course, there may be a lot to discuss, um, and it's not only our own issues, but those of our ex-partner as well. Um, I imagine (laughs) it will get very messy. (laughs) What's, What's your advice to ensure that we're fully prepared to discuss the issues that really matter and also to be prepared for what may be brought up by the other party? Yeah, um, I think a, a crucial step um, is to get some sort of legal advice uh, to begin with. Um, there are things that you will already know are and aren't working um, in whatever arrangements you have in place, but um, a lawyer can assist you in talking about different options that might suit um, or different examples that, that are similar to your situation. Um, but more, most importantly, a solicitor might also think about things that you haven't already thought about and need to be in your documentation. So it's always good to get at least some preliminary advice, even if you don't ask them to attend the mediation with you. Um, for, if, you're, if you're dealing with a parenting matter, um, I, I normally ask my clients um, a, a number of questions, which include things like, you know, tell me what's working, what isn't working, um, what could be changed to make the situation better, um, what decisions do you have to make that aren't always easy to make, and, and we can make, you know, an arrangement for it now. Um, think about uh, long-term issues as well, so not just the now, things like special occasions, birthdays, Christmas, anything that might end up being um, a difficult situation to negotiate and try and um, come up with a plan as to how you're going to treat those particular occasions. Um, the, the, the crucial part is to sort of adopt a mentality that an order can can say, look, we will always agree to something, but if we don't agree to it, what's our backup plan going to be? Um, and that's the arrangements that you need to be putting forward um, at mediation, essentially. Um, 
and it's it's always important to remember that there needs to be some level of flexibility in your options because a mediation is a, is a compromise. So you might have an idea in your mind, but come to that mediation with an with an open mind to consider alternate options that you may not have already thought about. Um, so the more open-minded you are and the more options are, are considered, sometimes uh, you'll, you'll be able to find that, that ideal outcome. Um, I would always say to try and uh, make a list going into that mediation. Um, think about the different uh, things that you've got to deal with. You know, So um, you'll want to talk about the living arrangements for the children, um, how you're going to uh, attend to changeover, how you're going to communicate uh, with the children and with the other party, and list some ideas under each of those headings as to how you propose to um, resolve those issues if, if there's a problem later on. Um, and don't just think about obviously what's working but really attack the issues that aren't working or that you know your former partner will say aren't working um, you know and 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 tackle those issues and, and the big thing as well for me is to prepare so if you're presenting an option for example if there's a dispute about what school the children are going to attend and you say it should be this school and your ex says it should be another um, come prepared with some information to support your proposal. So um, identify the school, the extracurricular programs, why that school is better than the other school. And it's not just the monetary reasons, but, you know, it might be that um, your child is very interested in sports and this particular school offers more um, uh, programs in that area, for example. The more information you have prepared, the less that you're going to have to spend at the mediation making phone calls or uh, trying to resolve it afterwards because you didn't have the information then. Um, so whatever you can do to, to prepare for that mediation early on is, is best, essentially. Mm. Um, I, sorry, just to anyone listening as well. I don't know if you can hear it, Vanessa, but I've got some drilling going on in the house next door. So excuse <laughs> that noise. But um, look, I just love that mention of the humble list. It just there isn't a time is there in life when you, you, you wouldn't do well <laughs> without using right. a list. I mean, they're yeah. just in, in, brilliant. And I think it's where us women have the upper hand because... We will make a list um, and we will be organised. And um, I love what you say about the researching um, solutions because surely if the mediator can see you come in prepared rather than just with some pie-in-the-sky ideas about, mm. um, you know, well, I'd quite like them to go to this school because such, such and such, you know, but you've actually put a lot of effort into it, they're going to see that you um, you really care and that there's a lot of um, reasoning behind the, the suggestions that you're making. And I think that that's where, as I say, I think us women will, will be able to do really well. Um, whereas I can kind of see a guy coming in and, you know, I don't mind, maybe this is a bit of a joke, really sort of coming in and, you know, having done no preparation whatsoever and just throwing a few things out there. And we're there with our clipboards and whiteboards and got PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> having gone through it all a million times and prepared it. But um, I suppose I'm just thinking of myself there. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a great idea. So those lists that you make, can you, um, you can sort of pass that on to the other party before you go in? I mean, is it is it good? To, can you find out what the other party is going to t want to talk about um, as well so that you can prepare your um, suggestions um, related to the things on his list? Yeah, absolutely. We, we do that a number of times. Um, mediation is intended to be a confidential process, which means that 
what you say about um, a matter in mediation can't then be used against you later on, um, for example, in court. Um, so the, the whole reason for that being that, that we want parties to be able to speak freely um, in that mediation without fear of that information being used against them. So um, a lot of the times prior to mediation, uh, that between lawyers we might agree and say, we'll exchange our, our list of um, items that we want to raise that mediation, um, if you will as well, and we do that off the record as well as part of the mediation process. Um, and on the basis that we are not wedded to those issues, other things might be raised obviously, so it's not inflexible, um, but it gives us an idea so that if we do need to prepare for something, we're not caught off guard. Mm. Um, some, some lawyers will agree to that or some parties will agree to that and others prefer not to. Um, so it really comes down to whether or not the parties can agree to that process. Um, and I believe when you can, it does help to facilitate that a lot, a lot better. Yes, and I think as well there's this, people will feel, oh, I don't want to hand over my list. Um, mm. I want an element of surprise and catch um, the other person yeah. off guard. But it, it isn't the answer, is it, at the end of the day? You want them to be prepared because they're going to go away and think about it and come back really just want to make the whole process as simple as possible so um, yeah. share your own ideas of what you want to talk about and hopefully you get the ideas back from him as well and the other thing you mentioned as well is the future and that's one of the things that comes up on my Facebook group the single mum vine all the time is look I'm going into mediation and um, what should I you know what what should I be talking about and mm. what should I be considering because it's so difficult isn't it before yeah. Of course, once, I mean, I've been broken up from my husband now for nearly six years and I could reel off all the things. But when you yeah. haven't had any time, you need to go through a year of separation, really, to understand all the things that are relevant. Um, mm. And you do need to consider the future because the plans that you put in place, if you've got, say, a three and a five year old, they could change quite significantly um, five years later when they're perhaps at different schools and they've got different circumstances. So are you able to say, look, this what we're, what we're agreeing on right here and now um, is going to last for five years and then we're going to come and do it again and change? Or how, how does that work? Because the plans you make aren't going to last forever until they're 18. Yeah, that's right. And um, and if, you, if you've entered into an order, it's difficult to change that order without the consent of both parties. But you can do it if you can show to a court that um, circumstances have changed significantly or, for example, a risk of harm has arise, arisen for a child. Um, but for parents who think, look, it's not, not that it's going to change that much, it's just that the children are going to get a bit older, um, you can build a review clause in there that says that the parties will... Uh, review the orders when the children reach, for example, school age or, or a particular age or a particular period. Um, noting there that obviously if the parties don't don't then comply with it, the orders stay in place until they do um, and until a further agreement can be reached. But um, the intention there is that you've got an order in place, um, the parties can agree to change it as the children get older. Um, and as, as usual, if you can't agree, um, then you'd be looking at the court avenue at that point in time if you had to. Um, but um, one would hope that you could run the same process you have in the first place, um, run a mediation, get a further agreement and lock something in for the, for, for the you know, remaining years of the children's um, lives between that and 18 years. 
Yeah, and also there's a hope as well, isn't it, that after a few years, everything will have settled and you might be able to resolve situations um, on your own without the help Absolutely. of a mediator or a court. And that's really the ideal um, situation, I think. Yeah. So, so we've discussed how to prepare um, to be heard at mediation and how important it is also to listen. Um, so what what we want to, I want to talk about now really is how is it how do you best get the outcome that you want um from mediation um what what do we want the end result to be in an ideal world and and how do we get that how do you suggest we prepare for the outcome we want and how important is it to take into account the outcome we think our ex-partner will also want um, well, I think it's important that, um, and I say this to a lot of my clients, that in family law, it's, it's a very rare occasion where you can actually say someone has won something because it's, a, it's a, such a difficult situation that really no one walks away from mediation saying, I've won, um, but rather, and if they do, it's, it's likely not the best outcome. Um, I say to clients that you've got to be prepared to go in there with a situation that is right for your children. Um, that sometimes you may not necessarily agree to, but your children are, are able to work with um, and are in the best interest of your children. So I think the first step is to make sure that they are your primary focus um, and to understand that sometimes, you know, uh, you've got to keep that open mind um, and consider the other party's proposals because if everything is just simply to go your way, the other party's going to walk out thinking, I've, you know, I've just uh, been, you know, run over by this whole process and the likelihood of them then complying with an order becomes uh, minimal and conflict can increase. So I think um, it's it's the benefit that if both parties can come out of that, that mediation thinking, I can live with this arrangement and it's in the best interest of my children, then both of you walk out th feeling as though you have had a success from that from that particular day um, and you're both then more likely to stick to those orders uh, because you both feel as though it's the right resolution for your children um, and I think it's also important to be prepared for for what happens if you don't reach that agreement um, so in the event that um, you want to maintain a particular position I think it's important to have had some advice as to whether a court would agree with you or not um, and and to keep in mind that if you don't resolve the matter at that mediation, um, the only option potentially you have then is to start a court proceeding. Um, and if anyone's been watching the news lately uh, or reading some of the news articles, you'll know that our court systems are extremely backlogged um, and that that process uh, will be a gruelling one for anybody who goes through it. Um, and so we like to try and avoid that process for you, for your children, um, and try and get a resolution instead. And, and I think an important thing to know there is that if at a mediation you reach an agreement, then it's an agreement that's been reached between you and the other party as the parents of this child or children. You know them best and you um, are aware of their situation and, and can make decisions in their best interest. Um, if you wait for a trial, then you're really handing the matter over to a judge, which is a third party who's going to make decisions about your children based only on information they see on uh, paperwork uh, before them. Um, or um, how you present at a trial in cross-examination, which sometimes could be great and sometimes could be very poorly done. Um, and that's a, that's a big risk to be taking, um, to be handing that over to somebody else to make those decisions. So I like to say to clients, um, if, if you're thinking about the outcome, think about 
how great of an outcome it's going to be if it's one that you and, and um, the other parent can decide rather than a third party. I feel it almost um, mars the relationship if it goes to court because you you always know if it didn't that you've managed to somehow, you know, you managed to do it between you, maybe with a third party in there, but Mm. you didn't have to take that final step. And surely for the future relationship with the father of your children, it's going to be more beneficial not to have that that past thing where you went to court because you couldn't resolve an issue so it's just mm. generally a better, better thing to avoid isn't it yeah, for so yeah. many reasons um and I mean I I look back at my own situation and I can remember just wanting the whole thing to be over um mm. and ready to just move on with my life on this new path that I was taking and for me personally I actually gave up a few things that since people have said oh because I got married in the UK but I got divorced in Australia and people say oh you know if you got divorced in England you would have got this from him you would have got that or why didn't you take that from him and I think well number one I just wanted it to be over but number two, mm. I had to, you have to live with yourself with the decisions that you've made. And I feel good that I um, about the whole thing. Um, we, were, we were both reasonably fair and you need to live with yourself after it, don't you? I mean, it's a massive thing in your life that you'll, you know, will always be in the back of your mind. Absolutely. And um, I think that's where it comes down to is um, if you can live with the arrangement and make it work and you know that the children will be able to make it work, um, then you've got an agreement and um, and, and that's all you need. Yeah. Um, and, and it's important that you don't sort of get positional or, or stuck in the mud about something, um, that you stay open-minded and, and think about other solutions and think outside the box if you need to. Um and, you know, and the other thing I say to clients is just not to adopt that tit-for-tat attitude where, oh, because he does that, I'm not going to do this or because, yeah. you know, he said this, I should be allowed to do that. Um, you know, I always say to clients that children just need one parent to be a, a really good example and I say to them, choose to be that parent um, and don't adopt that tit-for-tat attitude. Um, you know, that's not going to help a resolution or, or be resolution-focused. Um, but if you, if you can get over those hurdles, um, then you're going to be in a much better position to talk about a, a full and final solution for your kids moving forward. Yeah, be the better person. And the other thing that yeah. you mentioned that I just think is great is it's not about winning. There are no, no. winners in it, are there? Unfortunately, there just aren't. Um, yeah. And I think the minute that you take that winning and that competitive factor out of it and if you can mm. both do that that's actually going to make it so much easier you focus on the things that matter rather than you know as you say tiny little things that perhaps don't matter but you feel that you've got to get your way yes that's right and I think um some of the judges put it best when we're in court we often hear them say um that um in their court uh parents don't have rights but the children do um, and that's all they're focused about so um, in essence it's not really what the parents are after or what they think works best but rather what's best for the children and if you can um, keep that in your mind when making any decision um, then then you'll be in a much better position to get that outcome. Mm, I suppose just think about when the kids are old enough to ask you questions um, and want to know why you did what you did you want to be able to answer them honestly knowing that you did the right thing. 
absolutely yeah. yeah so so look to the future and think about being asked by looked in the <laughs> eye by your kids and having to explain it to them that changes the whole thing around <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> um my next question we have covered briefly but i'm not going to skip over it. i'm going to ask it anyway because i wouldn't mind just covering it in a little bit more detail so although mediation is the stage before the court, we've already <laughs> mentioned the um, early intervention of legal support before entering into discussions, mm. especially regarding property. How important is legal advice at this stage and how would you advise the single mums listening to go about getting it? Um, I think legal advice is, is so important. Um, and I don't say that just because I'm a lawyer, but because we think of all the all the possible um situations we can to try and assist you um, and that will include um, letting you know a bit more about what the process is you're about to enter into, uh, what happens if you can't resolve the matter, um, if you can resolve the matter we can give you advice on how best to document it, um, you know if you're going to have an agreement that's in place uh, for a number of years or indefinitely you want to make sure that it's drafted appropriately so um, knowing some advice up front is always going to be helpful for any number of those situations situations. Um, a lawyer doesn't have to attend the mediation with you. In fact, many of my clients um, are more than happy to attend the mediation on their own, uh, but they feel a lot stronger um, and confident about it when they've got um, some advice and, and, prep and help with the preparation for it in advance. Um, now, for those that can't uh, engage a private lawyer, um, there are services through, you know, Caxton Legal Services, the Women's Legal Services, um, resources like that. Um, and there are a number of firms that might offer um, small consultations at limited or, or free charge. Um, so I think it's crucial that you just take advantage of that and have your questions ready um, so that the, the legal advice can be targeted to, to what you need to know, essentially. I think that's the most interesting thing for me from what we've chatted about today is um, I just would never have thought about taking legal advice before mediation to me it would come afterwards yeah. um, it makes total sense um that you would need to and like we were talking about and um, when we sort of chatted through the last question there's also this i kind of think of it as a fear factor the what if the what if we don't manage to sort it out in mediation i suppose mm -hmm. by taking a little bit of legal advice before um you are going to find out where it could be going if you don't sort it out so that can actually mm. um really help Put, for you to put more effort into the mediation because uh, you don't want to, it to end up in, in court. Um, and the other thing is that women's legal services, my God, they are just amazing, amazing. Big yeah. shout out to them because um, I know quite a few people who have been really stuck and just needed to ask some questions and not being able to um, either afford it or just not knowing where to go to ask them more probably than anything. Um, yeah. and we've got some great services here on the Sunshine Coast um, where you just offer a gold co coin donation. Um, and just to get your, your questions answered, perhaps, as you say, before you go into mediation, because once we've got the knowledge, we're we're much better um we're much better better prepared aren't we 
Yeah, that's right. And and I think it's crucial to have someone reality test some of your, your options. You know, you might think that option A is a great idea, but then um, coming from our experience when we're dealing with breaches of orders or enforcements of orders, um, we can tell you if it's going to work in our experience or not, um, or, or perhaps give you another solution that you haven't considered. So um, I think that's where it's critical to have some sort of um, advice up front. Um, because it will help you then to decide, look, is this something I really want? Am I going to um, dig my heels in about it or is there a better way? Yeah, it really helps you. As you say, as we were saying as well with the mediation process, you want to keep it as simple and streamlined as possible. If you Mm. seek a little bit of legal advice, first of all, um, it might be that somebody would say to you, look, there's no point even going for that. You're not going to get it. So don't bother. So you can put that out of the equation and you can work on the things that you can change and you can maneuver. Um, So yeah, it would be, I can understand totally now why it would be worthwhile taking legal legal advice beforehand. Mm. Um, So we've been talking about all the practicalities here, um, but all of this can fall by the wayside when our emotions take over. And it's absolutely understandable that emotions are running high. How do you suggest we get our personal feelings in check before and during mediation? Um, Well, I always say to clients that a separation is a a difficult time for anybody Um, and it it, it especially gets worse if your circumstances are a difficult one. So um, if you've been a victim of domestic violence or if there's, you know, alcohol use or abuse involved, something like that. Um, So I think that if if you're coming out of a relationship and you're feeling... um, not feeling very confident for, for that mediation, then it's always good to get some counselling leading up to it. Um, it can help you to understand how you might deal with that anxiety and stress on the day, how you might deal with a difficult party on the other side of things. Um, and um, and more importantly as well, if you've got those safety concerns, um, I would suggest that you take some proactive steps to protect yourself. So, um, you know, if you're worried about the other party's reaction or your safety on the day, um, speak to the mediator. They won't always know that. It won't always be clear to them that there might be a risk or a power imbalance. Um, so in that intake session, use that time to let them know about any of those fears um, and they can put something in place to help you. So, um, you know, you can call for a number of breaks during the day as well. Um, and I, I think a lot of clients uh, forget that or don't know that, that, you know, whilst they might be in a mediation for half a day or sometimes a full day, it can get so exhausting and um, they're more than within their rights to ask the mediator for a break if they feel like the process is just getting a bit too overwhelming or they need to uh, make a phone call or they just need to step outside and get a bit of air. Uh, whatever it might be, I think you just need to um, speak to your mediator about it on the day um, and not feel afraid of calling those breaks if you need them. It must be so intense, um, a full day of mediation as well. So um, it would have um, quite a, an impact on, on your health and your mental health and your physical health as well, really, I guess. Mm, and there's yeah. the lead up to it as well, which can be really rather stressful and I often think afterwards as well and again I keep going back to the single mum vine Facebook group but Mm. so much comes up on it about ladies that I've just been through mediation and it's I get the feeling they just want to talk to people about it because if you're quite isolated it's so difficult 
to go through that and then not have somebody to share or bounce your ideas and tell them about what's happened because we all know if we keep things in our own heads too long we Mm. can turn them into things that they're not We're Mm. we're all capable of doing it so would you suggest that when people come out they they have they get somebody ready to, to to chat to chat through through it with them yeah look at um even us as lawyers um we come out of court uh proceeding proceedings and um mediations and and we speak to our colleagues and we debrief with them mm. um to make sure you know and say look what you know what happened what went wrong what could have gone better what did we do really well all those sorts of things that is, it was always good and for a client attending mediation on their own, I think it's it's um, it's a possibility for you to even have someone there as a support person. I've had uh, plenty of clients taking in a, a mum or a sister. Yeah. Um, you know that person can't speak, but they can be there as a support person. And um, the the main thing that I would say to you is to set up some boundaries with that support person. Um, people who love us always tend to um, defend us quite mm. um, vigorously. Um, <laughs> Which is a which is a beautiful thing, but can also um, be detrimental because you might walk out with an agreement um, and still feel a little bit defeated by the whole day because it's been such a long day, um, and you really need someone who's going to be objective and um, in a positive mind frame um, to help you through it. And um, sometimes our friends can can be uh, very loyal and very vigorous in defending us, and it can go the other way. So um, talk to that person you're going to debrief with and make sure you you say to them that um, you want them to be objective um, and and helpful in that process and and you know that they love you um, but not to get that that love get in the way of um of of what's being achieved there you almost just need them to listen don't you you just need a sounding board I've got one friend who we sometimes she's a single mum as well and sometimes we're just having such bad day that we just phone each other up or she phoned me up um, probably a couple of weeks ago and just ranted down the phone to me and then <laughs> yeah. she said that's it I don't need you to say anything we, I'm yeah. gonna go now and um, you know I didn't I didn't say anything I didn't need to but just to get it off um, off your chest can be so helpful and for it to be pretty much immediate as well because if you hold on to it too long you change it in your head that's um, right. So. If you stay too silent, it could it could bubble up, so, you know, and um, make the situation worse. And um, from a legal perspective, I often say to my clients that if they if they've gone to a mediation without us, um, and they need to call us afterwards just to to debrief or even during the mediation, um, we can still um, take a phone call um, and just to to make sure that they're on the right track or just to give them that comfort that they they have a lifeline available to mm. them if if um if they need it and um, a lot of clients do take advantage of that and it means that uh, the process is is then between the parents you're not paying for a lawyer necessarily to attend but you do have that resource available to you if you should need it um, and I think that can be a valuable tool so if you if you have sought legal advice maybe speak to the lawyer as to whether they're prepared to do that for you as well. That's a really good service to offer I have to say just to come out and feel that you've got someone on side with you really would be would be enough Mm. um but somebody with all the knowledge to help you through and point you in exactly the right direction like a lawyer would be absolutely great Um, yeah look I've got my last question here um so in all of my podcasts I like to leave single mums listening with actionable advice that will really make a difference to their lives so what would be your most important piece 
or pieces of advice to a single mum who is currently preparing for mediation? Um, mainly to uh, prepare. So preparation, I think, is the key. Um, think about the solutions that you would like to propose. Um, relax throughout the process. Um, as frustrating as it can get or as long as a day might get, um, try not to leave that mediation uh, without giving it your absolute best shot um, and stay open-minded to solutions that might be presented by the other party or the mediator themselves. Um, remember that this isn't court. So you're not in a courtroom, you're not being cross-examined, there's no judge in that room um, and the mediator isn't there to um, judge you or to make decisions for you uh, but rather to help and facilitate an agreement. So use that tool that, that you've got in front of you in that mediator to, to your advantage and um, use their resources, their knowledge, their skills to try and help you to get that resolution and listen to um, them if they reality test the situation or if they um, give you a, a, any opinions or, or information that, that might assist you because um, chances are they've seen a number of these situations before and um, they might be thinking of options that you haven't just thought of yet. Um, and, and more, most importantly, just because the other party presents a solution to you that isn't in line with yours doesn't automatically make it a bad one. Stay open-minded and consider it and see if there's a way you can work with it so that the two of you can reach an agreement. Um, and, and know as well the limits to where you can go to. So the items or, or issues, I guess, that you're not prepared to um, give up um, get your legal advice on them to make sure that that's that's right, um, and uh, and know your limitations on the day as well. So, um, and finally, if at the end of the day you've reached a resolution, but you're mentally exhausted or um, you're not digesting the the documents that are being put forward to you, it's okay not to sign them. Um, you might have reached an agreement and drafted something, but if you're not sure and you're not 100% and you don't want to sign it, you can ask the mediator to, to give you time until the next day or a couple of days to read it with a fresh mind, um, to get some advice if you need to and sign and return it. Um, most people want things signed on the day so that it locks people into that agreement and the day isn't wasted. We don't like cooling off periods where people might change their mind mm -hmm. later on. Um, but at the same time, uh, nobody wants to force you to, to sign something that you're not 100% sure of. So don't feel afraid to speak up um, if you need to. There's a definite sense of what you're saying of try and, try and relax, take it mm. easy, you know, take your time. We all want to rush into it. We're, we're ready for it to be over. Um, but it is your last opportunity to resolve this now um, in a reasonable way without paying more money. So just yeah. just use that. <laughs> just use that. And, um, and, and I love what you say about, you know, just be open-minded. Think outside of your own box. Um, and it's going to make you feel better in the long run, I'm sure, to say, look, you know, I agreed with him. I gave him this in the end. I didn't really want to, but we don't always get what we want, do we? So no, in some right. cases we've got to give and it's going to surely help the whole process um, in the long run. So fantastically right. brilliant advice. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so we've managed to squeeze in all the questions that I had for <laughs> 
for you. Um, I have so many posts, as I've said, on the Single Mum Vine Facebook group about mediation. I have ladies asking what it is, to who goes to it, how it works. And I've even had more than one post about um, ladies asking what they should wear. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I know yeah. this is information. This information that you've given to us is going to be super helpful for so many people. And uh, before we finish, you've got a fabulous offer for the single mums listening. Can I just ask you to explain what it is and how to get it? Absolutely. Um, we're offering a free uh, one-hour consultation um, to anyone who's listening to the podcast. Um, just let us know that you've come from Beanstalk Mums. Um, the reason we're doing that is because we understand you'll probably have your own personal questions that you would like to ask us and we'd like to tailor that advice uh, more specifically to you. Um, we also do uh, decided to do free consultations for this because it's important, I think, that you get to know us. Um, so it's a perfect opportunity for you to do that. Now, if, if you're on the Sunshine Coast, we are in Brisbane, but we can do this by telephone. Um, or if you are in the local area, then come on in and have a chat to us um, and, and feel free to, to arrange that uh, via our website. Yep. Um, uh, also- uh, sorry, I was just going to quickly say, um, I'm going to put a link when I put the podcast up on my website. So when people will have clicked through, there will be a link in the wording about this podcast where they can click straight through to your website to contact you. Excellent. And um, we also have a, uh, we'll have a checklist that might help you um, preparing for a mediation, which will give you um, a brief overview of some of the things we've talked about today, just to make sure that you can work your way through it um, where it applies to you and, and, and get better prepared for the mediation that you might have ahead of you. And that's just going to be so handy. I know that checklist is going to be so brilliant. So will they um, come to you to grab that checklist or is that the best way to do it? Or um, I can pop it up if you like um, on my website, however you'd rather. Yes, we'll provide a link um, for you to be able to um, access and download that. Great. Um, And um, yes, if you do want to discuss anything further, don't hesitate to uh, give us a quick call. Brilliant. So thank you for that amazing offer, Vanessa, and uh, for chatting to me today. It's always so good to clear the confusion surrounding issues like mediation um, and to help these gorgeous ladies get through difficult times. Look, I know we'll be doing a lot more work together, but I think we've got off to a flying start. So thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. And thank you, single mums, for listening. I know how hard it is to navigate a separation while still juggling all those parenting balls, but there is support out there. Once you have understanding, it will become easier and you will be empowered by your knowledge. Get a good support system, chat to the right people, hold your head high and always remember, you can do this. Until next time, ladies. Goodbye.